Welcome to episode 85 of Drew's Sports Crew here on a Sunday afternoon slash evening. Yes, an earlier time here. I've been bringing these episodes to you on like Monday morning, afternoon-ish times, and now we're transitioning here. It worked out in the schedule. It was like, let's just let's, let's talk about it after that dreadful Packer game. Let's talk about some sports, and we'll talk about some uh, better results, better outcomes for sports, such as the high school football playoffs in the Eastern Wisconsin Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks. They're 2-0, scorching red-hot start here for them. And then also we'll talk, sadly, about that Green Bay Packer defeat that puts them under 500. Yes, it's the first time in the Matt LaFleur era losing three or more. It was the first time in two or more, so therefore, obviously, you'll get the three or more there. But look, my... Here, happy to break it all down for you. But first, we got to go through the usual announcement social media at Drew's Sports Crew on the Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You know the drill. And also, yeah, I think Instagram, Twitter, TikTok got them there. Uh, and then YouTube, Drew's Sports Crew is where you'll find that with the Facebook as well. Also, Twitch, you know, Twitch at Drew Sports Crew. Got to be shouting that out as well. Um, medium. Drew Sport at Drew Sports Crew. It's all in the link tree is where you'll find that. So link tree, which is Drew underscore sports underscore crew. Again, that's down below. So you can find all other platforms on that. Live stream days. We got to talk about what days you will be able to catch some of the episodes on Drew's Sports Crew. Well, tomorrow night, I'll tell you, you can find Drew's Basketball Crew here. Episode two. Yes, that will be a weekly series throughout the NBA season. Looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll have some guests on along the way. Certainly Jared from Journey to Million, I can guarantee an appearance for him sometime. Just not sure when, but you can catch that again tomorrow night. It's been around that 8.30, 9 o'clock-ish p.m., you know, kind of live stream. It's 10 to 20 minutes, so I'd expect around there will be that. And then also Tuesday, we don't have a show. I meant Wednesday. Sorry about that. Wednesday, you can catch, of course, Journey to a Million, myself, Drew Skyberg, joined alongside Zach Roush and Jared Valeski. There you'll find us Wednesday around 6 o'clock is how we've been doing it. 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. is where you'll find that. But that kind of wraps up the announcements. Other than the hats, yes, you see the hat right here. An embroidered hat, Drew Sports Crew, $15 is the price for the hats. We also have Journey to a Million one. It's there in the back. You see it there, Journey to a Million. Embroidered as well. Go check those out. $15. Contact at Drew Sports Crew for more info. Let's roll now into the world of sports. Want to keep the intro brief here on this Sunday afternoon evening. Here we go. We're going to go right to the Eastern Wisconsin Conference. We're going to talk about the road to Randall is what they say. So basically we're talking about the playoffs, how it, you know, it fared for some teams. We'll talk about just how level one went for some squads. Let's first get it. I believe we're, gonna, we're calling an exhibition game out of the way. We're going to talk about Ron Colley, Green Bay West, right? We talked about this game last week. Wasn't really sure what to call it. I decided I'm going to call it an exhibition game, you know, to end the regular season or just an extra non-con game. But what happened was we talked about how that Green Bay West team has been struggling this year. And to an extent, right, the Ron Colley Jets have been as well. So, um, Going through that game again at Green Bay West, Ron Colley, they get the job done. They end their season with a victory. 40-13 to 13 was the final. The Jets blow out 
Green Bay West there. I do not have stats, unfortunately. Um, so looking at it, I can tell you Ron Colley jumped out to a 14-0 lead, end of one. And then they tacked on two more touchdowns in the second, but Green Bay West gets their first touchdown there. So it was 27-7 at half. Then Ron Colley, they get a touchdown in the third quarter, and then they get another one in the fourth with Green Bay West. They also get one as well. So then that equates to a 40-13 to final. Again, Ron Colley gets a win there. Their second win of the year, and they end 2-8 and eight overall. Let's go now to... The playoff games, let's start. Let's go to level one. Let's talk about how those games fared for all the squads that participated in the playoffs. We're starting then with Kettle Moraine, Lutheran, and Two Rivers. Yes, the high-seeded EWC team we'll start with. And we'll talk about how they performed. And let me tell you, they did not disappoint there against Kettle Moraine, Lutheran. Again, this game was at Two Rivers in the first quarter. We had a 98-yard Passing touchdown, Klinkner to Phillips. That got us started. And so, yeah, end of one. Two Rivers up 7-0. We go into the second quarter. We get Elijah Mott in on the action. A 51-yard passing touchdown there. Klinkner to Mott there. 14-0 to Rivers. And then Phillips back to him. Goes Klinkner to Phillips there. 25-yard receiving touchdown again for Phillips. Second of the game. 20-0 was that halftime score. Then Chase Mathias get, gets in, in on the action. Two rushing rushing oh wow. Two rushing touchdowns in the third quarter. 34-0 the score end of three. Mathias gets another rushing touchdown in the fourth. 41-0. And then Damian Gretz gets a rushing touchdown. 48-0. That ends up being your final. No stats for Kel Moraine Lutheran. But tell you Justin Klinkner, 12 for uh, 12 of 20, three passing touchdowns, one interception for Klinkner. On the ground, it was Chase Mathias only running nine times, but accumulating 151 yards. That is a 16.8 yards in attempt to pace. Three rushing touchdowns for him. Damian Goretz, six for 50 with a rushing touchdown as well. Austin Phillips, three for 130, two receiving touchdowns. Elijah Mott, two for 61 with a receiving touchdown. And then Matthias, four for 38 there on the receiving game. Two interceptions there before Two Rivers' defense. Brady Richards getting one, and then Xander Pop got the other four sacks for them as well. Christian Piles getting two of those sacks. Connor Sanford with one. And then also Elijah Mott with a sack. So there you go. Two Rivers dominates in level one. They move on to level two. We'll talk about who they play after we go through the rest of the games here. So... Again, Two Rivers winning there. Let's go to Kewaskum High School where we found KLC, the Blue Bombers, and Kewaskum squaring off. And it was it was all Kewaskum in this game, I'd say. It was 21-6 to at half, and it went 31-6 final for the Blue Bombers. Uh, their season, unfortunately, comes to an end. Let's talk through the stats here right away, though. Max Breenbach, 14-26. of 26. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions for Breenbach. I do see here five attempts then for negative 67 yards for Breenbach. I don't know if that is just sacks. I'm not sure how those stats were compiled. Maybe he meant, or maybe um, the stats meant to be input, inputted as positive. I'm not sure what's going on there. 
Seven for six, though, was Kakuzi for the rushing attack. Noah Heinen ends his season there, nine for 51 for the receiving. Then Jalen Paul, three for 98 for him. Let's go to Kiwaskum. The story was the ground game, I'd say mostly. It was a pretty balanced attack, but they only had eight receptions as a team. But the, the ground game averaged 4.9 yards an attempt, and they had 44 rushing attempts. So, you know, run heavy, but those passes ended up hurting them a lot with two passing touchdowns. But really what happened, it was it was a mix of runners. It was Ryan Cook, 13 of 82 with a touchdown, and then Dylan Steger, 11 for 68 with a touchdown. So, again, Kiwaskum gets the job done, 31 to 6. They're moving on to level two then. That's the story there. KLC, again, their season comes to a close. They finish 3-4 and four in conference, 3-7 and seven overall. Let's go to Southern Door as we find the Brilliant Lions there against Southern Door again. A.J. Dillon, fun fact, supposedly was in attendance of that game. That was from EWC's Robert Chimick, right? He reached out, let me know. I want, I'm glad I could share that with you all. So I wonder if any Brilliant Lion fans were able to meet A.J. Dillon. That'd be pretty cool, but look, Southern Door, they took care of business here as the one seed. No stats on Brilliant side, so we'll keep the we'll keep the Southern Door talk quick here, but we will say this. It was 42-0 at half, and it was rushing touchdown, rushing touchdown, rushing, rushing touchdown, end of one, 21-0, rushing touchdown, rushing touchdown, pick six. So that will get you 42, and then they have a passing touchdown in the third, no score in the fourth. They only have to throw the ball 11 times. So what they did, they 34 rushing attempts, 256 yards, five rushing touchdowns. It was really Zach Lynch and Jonas Jandron were the, the guys who were really able to dominate their Jandron only though with 38 yards, but two touchdown, two touchdowns for him. Lynch was 14 of 155, three rushing touchdowns for him. Passing, not much there for Southern Door, but they had two sacks. They had two interceptions. Christian Conrad had both of the interceptions for Southern Door, and the one seed is moving on in blowout fashion, and that ends the season for the Brilliant Lions. They finish 3-4 and four in conference, 3-7 and seven overall as well. Same record as KLC. So let's go to a victor- some victories for the EWC now, other than the Two Rivers one. Let's go to let's go to Clintonville, where Chilton had to travel on the road to surprise by some people, considering the season Chilton finished with competing with TR there. But Clintonville starts the game; they get they get a touchdown in the first quarter. They go up six nothing, and end of one. So Chilton needs an answer, and they give you them an answer in the second quarter. It was Zach Halbach, a nine yard rushing touchdown, seven to six. That extra point there with that. Ended up being the difference in this game, 7-6 at half, and the final ends up being 7-6. Chilton, they I, it's technically an upset. I got to say it's an upset. They upset Clintonville here at Clintonville. They move on to level two. And what happened was Jared Gell was kind of the story, 21 of 129. That really got this offense jump-started. Zach Halbach was 7 for 28 with that rushing touchdown. Max Miller only threw the ball six times in this ball game. But they were able to really stop the passing game for Clintonville. Cade Rosnow, 10 for 22 there with a touchdown. Two interceptions for Rosnow as well. 
Then on the rushing side, it was Zach Spaulding, 21 of 84, four yards an attempt per attempt. And that ends up you know, being it for Clintonville. One for 10 was Colton Barco. He was the lone receiving touchdown, again, for the Clintonville team. And yeah, Clintonville's season comes to a close, but Chilton, they continue. They move on. Last game here, let's go to an upset in the EWC. I mean, for the EWC, let's say, Kiel. I believe it was the six versus the three here. Wittenberg Burnhamwood was the three. And Kiel, you know, in upset fashion, they get the job done. 16 to six was your final. And the game, it didn't start off too well for Kiel. Uh, touchdown there for Wittenberg Burnhamwood. They go up six nothing, but Kiel, Connor Faust gets the job done to Zorn. And we get a 65-yard touchdown there, 7-6 there up then. And then what happened was Connor Faust gets a rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter. And that they go 14-6. And you guessed it, a safety there for Keel makes it 16-6. And that was your ballgame there. The 10 minutes left or so, 9.59 was when they got that safety. Let's go into the numbers. How did Keel pull off this upset? No, well, let me tell you, they, they played great defense. I mean, it's it goes down to that. We don't have the defensive stats, but I can tell you that that is what happened in this game. Counter Faust, 24-51 on the ground, 2.1 yards an attempt. They average as a team, they had 36 attempts on the ground, 89 yards only. That gives them 2.5 yards an attempt. Not good numbers. I mean, if you told me that, I would say they didn't, they didn't win not They did not win this game. They probably lost this game. Also on the receiving side, Faust was four for eight with 90 passing yards, one touchdown. Again, numbers you would, would have been like, I don't think they won this game, but you know Harrison Zorn having that big play um, really was the difference in this game on the offensive side. Uh, ended up being a receiving that receiving touchdown, sixty-five yards again. He finished two for seventy-three. Then Bray April one for eleven. Trey Bartz one for six. Again, I unfortunately do not have the defensive stats, but I can tell you, Kiel gets the job done. They pull off the upset, sixteen to six. They are moving on to level two of the playoffs. And let's break down those games now. Let's talk about who is playing who, and let's go to it. So level two, we got three teams moving on. Again, it was Two Rivers, Chilton, and Keel, the top three schools in the conference based on record. So, you know, there you go. I mean, as expected, right, the, the better schools should move on, and they did. Two Rivers plays Kiwaskum at Kiwaskum. They got to travel for level two. Chilton's got to travel to number one Southern door. That'll be a tough one. And then Keel travels to Kiwani. We saw that game, I believe the start of this year where Kiwani ended up getting the job done, but let's go to the two rivers game. First, let's give you a little preview there Two rivers and Kiwaskum squaring off. You know, we, we talked a little bit about this Kiwaskum team last week uh, against KLC, considering they're nine and one, right? They're averaging 28 a game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they have pretty good squad, right? Ryan Cook was the guy we were talking about, over 1,300 passing yards. So expect a pass-heavy attack, and that is what I think we'll see. I do think two rivers can take care of this game. I do like them getting out of level two here in this game, on the road even as well. So we'll have to wait and see how this game goes for the Raiders, but again, liking their chances in this game. Let's go to Chilton and Southern Door. This is going to be probably Chilton's toughest game of the year. 
I mean, I'll, I'll say that. I mean, I think this cellar door squad has so much talent. I mean, we talked about this last week, right? They have a passing yard. They have the quarterback drew doused over a thousand passing yards. And then they have a rusher with over a thousand rushing yards. I, I'm just saying that, I mean, this is going to be a balanced attack. This is going to be a very good attack. And we, we have seen what Southern door has done so far this year, 10 and 0 averaging 34 a game. They go 49, nothing over brilliant. So worried about this game here for Chilton. But again, we, we've, we saw this Chilton team. They were up against it against arguably the best, right? I mean, one of the best teams in D4, right? Against in two rivers in terms of how they performed a ranked squad in D4, I should say. And, I mean, they they held their own. They put up a fantastic fight. They ended up not getting the job done. But look, this Chilton squad has proven that they can face some adversity and they can handle it. And I think with that, you know, maybe we can see Chilton surprise Sellendor here in an upset. So I'm I'm we're all rooting for Chilton, obviously. It's just we gotta keep in mind Sellendor is a talented squad, and if they can, you know, stop them defensively, right, with with that really you know, just really good. I don't even know how to say it, right? Southern door, they're so balanced, right? So you got to stop the passing and rushing attack for both squat for on both sides of the ball there to win for Chilton, basically, I'd say. So that'll be a game that, again, room for Chilton. Hopefully they can get the job done. Let's go to the last game, Keel Kiwani. So yeah, Keel and Kiwani squaring off here. Nine and one is Kiwani. And let's go to the... Right, we're gonna to go to game or week one, where we saw Keel lose to Kiwani 28-21. So they lose to them by seven at the start of the year. We know how this works. You cannot judge the common opponent game. We talked about this because you could you it was possible to link um Valder's beating a school that um the school they beat beat a school that, that Shilton lost to, if that makes sense. Um, if we want to do the linking game, you cannot do the linking game in high school sports. And, you know, it just doesn't work like that unless it's some kind of blowout. Right. But that really does not work here. And that's why I want to emphasize, you know, I don't care. Kiwani won 71 to six last week. I'm not going to go trace to see how, how that fares for Keel because I think Keel's got a good shot in this one. Again, Kiwani finished second in the Packer land, right behind Southern door. So, we're seeing the Packerland EWC square off here in that. And Kiwani put up the most points in the, the Packerland. They averaged 36.5 a game. They got Mitchell Thompson, who passed for over 1,100 yards this year. And then they have a rushing attack of two, two guys who combined for over 1,200 yards. So you're, you're going to see some talent on this Kiwani Storm squad. So I'll tell you that, but... Uh, I I do think Keel, you know, if they play disciplined, if they play how they played against Burnham Wood, you can certainly expect Keel to move on to level three, a six seed moving on to level three. You know, if if Keel happens to do that, you got to credit Keel on their performance. But we're rooting for all EWC squads, right? We got three games, three EWC teams left. We want to get more squads into level three, right? We want to get put EWC again at, on a map as. You know, many teams have done so, right? Keel in 2019, some other squads in football as well. Just that's what we want here for, of course, EWC football as well. And we're, we're wishing the best. We're saying good luck to Two Rivers, Chilton, and Keel as they all, all three travel on the road for level two. So 
That is going to wrap it up for the EWC Sports Talk. We got a credit, of course, with sports.net, WSN, for all the coverage here, all the insight, all the stats. That's the site I'm using here to tell you, know, you the audience, this incredible information, right? We're rooting for these EWC squads. And go check it out there. You can go check out the stats and standings for yourself. So let's go to the world of basketball we're gonna to go to basketball then we'll go to football sorry don't want to talk about football right now sore subject with that but let's talk about how the milwaukee bucks have fared so far this year and it has gone very well if you ask me no chris middleton no pat Connaughton, no problem is what i'd say at philadelphia they get the job done wesley matthews has you know the clutch shot of the year so far in two games that go ahead three with seconds remaining on the clock, that gets the job done in Philly. There, 90 to 88 was the final. Again, Giannis had 21, 13 and 8. He was the high for points, rebounds, and assists for the Milwaukee Bucks. So, no surprise there, Giannis. And year 10, I believe, is still getting the job done. And let's go to the home opener Saturday night. You guessed it, myself. I was myself, Drew Skyberg. I was at that game in attendance to see a 125 to 105. Blowout win over the Rockets. I mean, they were up 15-20 the whole game. Never got outside of that range. Love to see that. You also love to see Giannis put up 44-12 and in that game. Holiday leading the Bucks in assists with 10. Giannis ends up actually passing. I believe Sidney Moncrief was the gentleman he passed to become the all-time free-throw-made leader in Milwaukee Bucks franchise history. So credit Giannis again for historic numbers, historic stats, and, of course, becoming the Bucks franchise leader in almost every statistical category when he's done. So that is great to see. And again, the Bucks are already two and O to start the year. And you got to credit how the depth has performed. And what I mean by that, I mean, guys like Brooke Lopez, who again, is a starter, but just guys we didn't have last year to start to Bobby Portis, of course, got to credit Javon Carter stepping in, getting some good minutes on the defensive end, especially, also, I mean, Grayson Allen's played great so far this year. Talk Wesley Matthews having that big shot. Um, you know, I mean, you'll see that. I mean, that's going to be win you some games here. So, wanted to touch on that and let's talk about the games we have coming up for the Milwaukee Bucks. So, we got three games coming up next week. They go from they have rest now. They next time they go and square off is a Wednesday, but they play the Brooklyn Nets at home who they lost to in the preseason at home, I believe, already. So um, keep that in mind. Wednesday, October 26th is that game, 6.30 p.m. tip on ESPN. You'll find them. And, again, that's against Brooklyn. And then we have Friday. We have them playing the New York Knicks there at home. A Friday night game, 7 o'clock tip. I will be at that game. It is sports management day for the Milwaukee Bucks, so I will be in attendance at that event. And I will be, again, at that game. So, Hopefully I can share some insights about how that how that game fared. Hopefully the Bucks go 2-0 when I'm there. Would love to see that. But Saturday then, they play the Atlanta Hawks at home is what I'm seeing. Is this right? Do they have all these home games? I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just looking at the schedule. Home game, home game, home game, home game, home game, home game, away, home. I guess that might be right, but we have some road stretches that I'm not looking forward to then. Yeah, we do. We got to stretch later in the year. Away, 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 away. <laughs> That's from 
Monday, December 19th to December 28th. You got nine, basically a 10 game, 10, 11, 10, 11 day road trip. Wow. Okay. So we'll see that. I mean, we have the Detroit Pistons on a back to back coming up next week. I'll talk about that next week. So just want to focus on those three games, Brooklyn, New York, Atlanta, all three at home. I got the Bucks going two and one. I think they either drop one to Brooklyn or Atlanta. I do like them against New York on Friday. So hopefully we can see two and one or three and oh, but we're always rooting for over 500 for a week at a time. But that is your update for the Milwaukee Bucks. Love what I'm seeing so far from Mike Boonholzer's squad. So let's go to the world of football to wrap up this episode. And whew, you are going to hear some rants on Journey to a Million. Zach Roush and myself are already getting it started as Packer fans. You'll have to hear some of Jared's Colts rants as well due to quarterback play, coaching, etc. So get ready for that. But let's talk about this game. So, you know, um, Packers lose their third in, the, third in a row. I'll just say that. 23-21 the final as everyone watched the game. They know. But if you're if you're watching or if you weren't, we'll still we're gonna go through the scoring summary quickly and we'll go into box score. We'll talk about things I did not like, things I liked. Basically, that's how we'll do this. And I will we're not gonna probably talk much about next Sunday night in Buffalo. Uh, probably more of a journey to a million discussion, but I like to touch on that matchup briefly as well. So Aaron Jones gets the scoring started for the Green Bay Packers, as we see a four-yard touchdown pass again, Rogers to Jones, seven nothing. Was all was all fun, you know. Everything was looking good, and then we do see Joey slagging a twenty-two-yard field goal, seven to three. Then was the score. Amari Rogers back in punt return was just not good, not good today, unfortunately. I mean, with the fumble, we've seen two fumbles already this year. Just inexcusable is how many have stated how they feel, and I do agree. So let's go to the second quarter. We see a pick six from Devondre, or I guess Heineke to Campbell. Devondre Campbell getting that pick six. He returns it all 63 yards, 14 to three. There's your score. I'm like, all right, this is, this is the game the Packers needed. Exactly what they needed. And then Antonio Gibson gets a nine-yard touchdown pass from Taylor Heineke. 14 to 10 is your score then at halftime. Feeling a little nervous. I was like, oh, this is a little closer for comfort, but hopefully the Packers can get a jolt in the second half that we needed. I mean, we haven't had that jolt all year, and we didn't get it. So what happened was we saw we basically saw 20, un- 20 points um, unanswered from the commanders, and we saw in the third quarter a 37-yard touchdown pass McL- or Heineke to McLaurin with Sly then giving that kick. 17-14 was your score. Sly then getting a field goal. 20 to 14. Sly gets another field goal in the fourth, 640 remaining. And then we see Aaron Jones having an incredible catch from Rodgers. 21-23 then was your score. Packers got get they get the ball left with like a minute, under a minute. It was like 30 seconds. And that was that. Had some lateral fun at the end of the game. Some trickery did not work. But let's go to the team stats. And let me tell you, the Packers did not deserve to win this game as many watched. Can agree with me, but when you get, you know, out like with the yardage, you know, 364 yards to 232, Washington wins that battle by almost almost 140 yards. It ended up being 132 
was the difference between total yards between both squads. Each had one turnover. First downs, Washington 22, Green Bay 16. Green Bay could not convert third downs today. They converted all they converted them near the end of the game, but that that's not does not equate for the other three and a half quarters of the game where they were not not um converted. So the most alarming thing for me was time of possession. 3707 was Washington's time of possession. 2253 was the Packers. I mean, this is not not something we see a lot of. I mean, this was a this was embarrassing. That's really what I'd say. I um, was not happy with basically the performance in the second half, as many weren't. Right? I mean, why would you be? Uh, this offense. I mean, they talked about it making it more simplistic, uh, a more simple offense for for Rogers' receivers and himself. And I don't know if I like the simple offense. It was it was not good. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at the stats. It just wow. I, the stats just make me shake my head because I mean, watching the game, it felt, it felt like Jones was a lot more effective than he necessarily was. You know, um, we saw eight carries from Jones for 23 yards and then the long was eight, but then we saw AJ Dillon four for 15. I mean, 12 for 38 was the rushing game. This this ground game has been not impressive and, you know, say what you want, the offensive line, it just has not been good. Um, you also mentioned some scheme issues as well but let's go to the receiving side you know it was pretty weird game um you know i like how jones i've been talking like jones needs to get targeted more he needs to get targeted more he got targeted more he got 10 targets in this game led the packers i like that i'm fine with that he got nine receptions 53 yards two receiving touchdowns lazard gets seven targets six for 55 was lazard that's fine that's fine by me but from here it goes Sammy Watkins, two for 36. Robert Tunyon, three for 32. Amari Rogers, two for 14. Samori Torre, one for four. Romeo Dobbs, no receptions, four targets. Dobbs is kind of what I want to mention. I mentioned how I I liked how he was kind of being used in the offense. I mean, no, no, not today. I mean, I with Dobbs, even I from a talent perspective, you know, I I, I do appreciate what Dobbs brings to the table. To a degree, I don't think he's this guy who many believe as has a superstar potential. But I do, I do respect what Dobbs can bring to the table, and I, I, I just don't think he's sometimes that deep guy who he's been used as in past weeks. But in this instance, he just he had a tough day. I mean, he had made had some drops, uh, made some tough plays, but um, yeah, I mean, not a good day for Dobbs. I'd like to go more to Lazard and Jones, right? Fifteen receptions between both. Like, I'm fine with – I want those two to be my top two, right, target target leaders, right? You want those two to be in the offense. Then, like, Tunyon and Watkins sprinkled. And Watkins, really not much from today for him being active. You were like, yeah, Sammy Watkins. We know Bernie Vanden Heuvel was all over Sammy Watkins in the preseason. Not a good look right now. But, yeah, A.J. Dillon, no targets after he got targeted – a lot in the past few weeks. So maybe the analytics department, maybe game plan, you know, not, not targeting Dylan this week. And of course it comes down to, you know, just Rogers progressions right through the offense as well. But I want to point that out. Let's talk about how Rogers finished 23 of 35 was Rogers two passing touchdowns a day. He played okay. You know, he played, played fine. I'm not going to say it was Rogers. What held us back today? He played all right. 
Brian Robinson on the side of for the Commanders um, continues his impressive year so far. His great year there for Robinson. Awesome story. Awesome human being. Definitely gonna, you know, he should be eligible for comeback player of the year. That's what's frustrating. Rookies are not eligible for comeback player of the year, which I think needs to change because. Look, Brian Robinson is that guy right now. 20 of 73 for him, 3.7 yards per attempt, and he looks like a superstar out there in the making. Gibson, 10 for 59 there. Gibson had a pretty good day, you know, for being kind of like that second fiddle now to Robinson. J.D. McKissick not involved at all today, which was the story for me. You know, looking, you would have thought McKissick would have gotten involved a little bit more, and then Curtis Samuel getting five carries. That was a little, like, what's going on here? But... Just some interesting schemes done and formations by the commanders. Terry McLaurin, 5 for 73 with a touchdown. Eight targets for him. Curtis Samuel also getting eight targets for Washington. That's all we'll touch on. We'll talk about the fumbles. We talked about Mari Rogers having two fumbles, one lost. But otherwise, let's go to defense. Let's talk about it. And going on it, we'll talk. You know, Quay Walker had a decent day. Um... Campbell, of course, had the pick six. Decent day. You know, Jair, he he was on the side of, you know, the plays that the commanders made that were great for them. He was usually on the, the bad side of those. So, interesting for Alexander. Still had some great plays, some tough hits, some, you know, impressive hits, like one out Robinson that you know many know of that was very impressive. Rasul Douglas had a pretty good day. You know, Stokes had a tough day. Stokes seems to – he has those 15-yard penalties. You know, I has those – Dumb mistakes. I mean, 15, 15 yarder on sportsman like he'll get, you know, illegal contact once in a while. He'll get a pass interference, of course. So I, I like to point those out where, you know, those are those plays, although they might be just small things like that. I mean, those can be game changers. Felt like a little bit in this game, those made a difference. Of course, then Rashawn Gary uh, leaving the game, concussion protocol, had three QB hits in his time. I mean, he was impressive. But otherwise, you know, I want to go back to the offense before we wrap up the football talk here. I want to talk about how I think this offense needs to move moving forward. I mean, we'll talk more on Journey a Million, of course, but I feel the offense is too horizontal right now. What I mean, I mean, they're operating a lot in the flats and shortage or yardage situations. Like, it's what's going on? We were talking, again, Journey a Million, we were chatting up a little bit. You know, third and long, you go to Jones in the flats. What's going on here? I mean, Zach pointed that out. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's it's an interesting play call. And I, I was like, yeah, I feel like they're calling, you know, first down plays on third down sometimes. Like, I love that play, play call first down. Jones in the flats, get him some blockers. But, you know, I, I, I get if they're trying to run a screen on a third and long, but nothing like a screen was that play. But at least get A.J. Dillon. You know, I don't expect his usage to be insane this year, but I expect it to be more than four carries for for the talent. You know that we see out of Dylan. Like I certainly would want more than that. He's certainly one of the best. You know, our second fiddle running backs. Uh, you want to say backup um, in all of football? So I certainly think he needs to be considered in that aspect. But um, you know, again, on the receiving side. I don't know. I wasn't wasn't necessarily happy. I think you you need to establish a number three as much as you don't want to, or as a Packers offense. I think there needs to be a number three, a guy who can emerge as a 
a target who Rodgers can go to. At times, it's been Robert Tunyon. It really has. It's been that guy, you know, that safety valve. It's been the tight end. But I feel like now with no Cobb, I mean, that guy's got to emerge. And is it Watkins? It didn't seem like it today. I mean, Amari Rogers stepped in. Uh, I know with the fumbles, but it didn't seem like him either, right? I, I think you need to establish number three. It seemed like it was going to be Dobbs. You know, it was originally like Dobbs was kind of like Dobbs and Lazard were the one-two. Then you saw like Tunyon and, you know, Tunyon in there. You saw Cobb, of course. But, again, I know this is one week, but I'm just – there There are some questions. That's like how will this go moving forward? Because certainly things need to change. You know, I, I don't think this offense, they'll put up only 14 points. Keep in mind, uh, one touchdown being defensive. They didn't play good enough to win. So what's going to change is what I'm asking. And I'm going to tell you things need to change because it does not get easier. And uh, again, I'm worried about the offensive line next week, even more than this week, because Buffalo is the opponent. And it's, again, Sunday night football is what we're going to be seeing. So a little nervous about how the Packers are going to rebound from this disaster game, Minnesota's five and one. Keep in mind, Packers are three and four. So yeah, the game right. It's Sunday night football. It is on NBC, and they play the Bills. And we've seen what the Bills have done so far this year. They're five and one right now, and um, they've looked impressive. Their one lone loss coming to the Dolphins, twenty-one nineteen. So yeah, um. I don't know. I we were talking, you know, the Bills are going to be heavily favored it seems in this game and obviously, right? I mean, how the Packers have performed, why would they be favored? But the Packers, I have a few, like this is just not good, you know. Packers, it's a disaster and right now again they're 3 and 4. Um right I, and I was thinking I'm like, okay, well, what do you think is a realistic output for them to finish? the year with like do you think they're going to finish they're not going to finish that 13 win mark like like many thoughts many had predicted um i'm thinking more probably like a 10 and 7 year based on this unless something changes right i mean 10 and 7s you're asking really them to go 7 and 4 down the stretch here um the last weeks um i don't know are we going to get that um because right they're three and four now, right? Play 17 games. I messed up my math there. <laughs> they need a seven and three down the stretch. I think I said seven and four. Yeah. Seven and three down the stretch. My apologies. Gotta get my math right. There we go. So I mean you're asking to play over five hundred ball by pretty good margin there to end the year, win seventy percent of their games of their last ten. So I'm hoping that can be the case, but I am you know, schedule does not get easy. It's kind of how we've we've talked about. It. I mean, let me go through it here briefly before we wrap up. Um, you know, I talked Bills next week, Lions, which you're hoping is a gimme, but I can't say that anymore. No games a gimme in the NFL. We saw what happened today with some other games, of course, like Panthers and Buccaneers as well. But Lions, they're 11. That's November 6th. And then the Cowboys, Titans, Eagles, Bears, Rams. Dolphins, Vikings, Lions. Those are your last 10 opponents. So, you know, what do you make of those last 10? Do you, do you think you can get seven and three out of there? I mean, I see some tough games, but easy, the, the easy part of the schedule or what we thought was going to be easy 
it's kind of gone now. I mean, that four-game stretch, we were like Patriots, Giants, Jets, Commanders. That's four wins. Nice. Not anymore. So back to the drawing board is what I like to say, and that's going to wrap it up here for episode 85. So going through it again, social media at your sports group. Go find myself and, of course, the podcast on there. And, and it was great to talk all about the sports. Again, good luck to the EWC squads in the playoffs. Good luck again. To the Milwaukee Bucks, keep it up. Go five and zero, hopefully. And let's go Packers, right? Let's let's find a way here. Let's you know, hopefully let's let's survive against Buffalo. Let's get the job done. Let's get the up, pull off the upset in Buffalo. Is how I'll wrap it up. And again, thank you here for all listening to another episode of Drew's Sports Crew, the perfect podcast for you. Thank you, everybody. Good evening or good night.